the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. When we think about church, we go, okay, you know, we gather together. We want to celebrate Jesus. We want to read the Bible. We want to, you know, love one another. It's not like we're the good guys and the world is the bad guys, okay? We're all bad guys. We all are in need of a Savior, okay? But if we start to think that the world is the enemy, the world's not the enemy. The world is the harvest field. The world is where we're supposed to be helping people to come to the same saving knowledge that we have of Jesus. The real enemy is the one who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. It's Satan himself. Isn't it so easy to get lost in an us-and-them attitude when we think about believers and non-believers? But what a great reminder that the world isn't our enemy. In his message today, Pastor Gary will give you a clear perspective on who the enemy is. Your enemy is Satan. It is so important to remember that you, as a Christian, are no better than a non-Christian. The only difference is grace. You don't deserve what you've been given. So share Christ with a healthy perspective of what he's done for you. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 20, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. One of the things that you got when you fled to a city of refuge was this temporary protection. And the day that you could return to your hometown from which you fled was when the high priest died. Now, there's this interesting foreshadowing here, because here's the beautiful parallel for us. A city of refuge was only for those who were innocent in the sense that what they did was accidental. They didn't mean it. They weren't deliberate. They didn't intentionally want to kill somebody. The city of refuge were for those who were, quote, innocent. And when you were finally free was when the high priest died, whoever was high priest at that time, however long that took. The beautiful parallel for us, of course, is Jesus is our city of refuge. But he's the one that we run to, not because we're innocent. It's not a refuge for the innocent. Jesus is our refuge because we're guilty. The city of refuge then was only for the innocent. The city of refuge for us now, Jesus, is for the guilty. And we're all guilty. But the beautiful thing about what Christ did was when he dies on the cross, he becomes our refuge for us, and we run to him, and we find forgiveness for our guilt. So this provision that God makes here is actually a picture for us of the greater refuge that we have in Jesus 
because we're guilty and he's the one who can forgive us. And the Bible is full of, I'll just read a couple of examples from the book of Psalms. The Bible is full of this parallel talking about how God is our refuge. All through just the Psalms. Listen to Psalm 9 verse 9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. In Psalm 46, 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we shall not fear. In Psalm 91, 1 and 2. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Amen? So He is our refuge. And so God provided these cities of refuge for people uh, to... Um, uh, not be prosecuted for something that was accidental. And uh, the Lord is our refuge even when we do things intentionally and we're guilty. We can find forgiveness and grace with him. Into chapter 21. In chapter 21 now, if you remember from our previous studies, um, the 12 tribes of Israel had different land allotments except for the Levites, the tribe of Levi. The descendants of Levi... Because they were a priestly order, they were to find their inheritance in the Lord alone. So they were not given large land tracts. However, they needed a place to live, so they were given towns. They were given cities. And chapter 21 is about these different cities that are given to the Levites and you'll notice, we're not going to read through all of them. You can thank me later. There are 48, 48 cities that the Levites are given. Now, at the end of the book of Numbers, the tribe of Levi numbers 23,000. So 23,000 are going to be, uh, Levites are going to be distributed among 48 cities or towns. So that's roughly about 480, give or take, uh, per town uh, that they would live in. As their uh, inheritance, they would just get these various cities. So, chapter 21, it says, Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came near to Eleazar the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. So the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance at the commandment of the Lord these cities and their common land. So here's what happened. They're going to cast lots now for the various cities within the tribal allotments. So from the tribe of Judah, you're going to have to give up some cities. And from the tribe of Issachar, you're going to have to give up some cities. From the tribe of Zebulun, you're going to have to give up some cities so that the Levites can live there. And so it separates it. And I'll just read a little bit of this. Verse, verse 4. Now the lot came out for the families of the Kohathites and the children of Aaron the priest who were of the Levites had 13 cities by lot from the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of Simeon, and from the tribe of Benjamin. The rest of the children of Kohath, of Kohath had 10 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh. And the children of Gershon had 13 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Issachar, from the tribe of Asher, from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh in Bashan. 
The children of Merari, according to their families, had 12 cities from the tribe of Reuben, from the tribe of Gad, and from the tribe of Zebulun. And the children of Israel gave these cities with their common lands by lot to the Levites, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. So I don't know if you were counting there with me, but those were the 12 tribes that were mentioned, and various cities from each of these 12 tribes were given to the Levites as their allotment. Now, if you'll jump ahead, because I won't uh, read all of these various cities and the names and locations. Just jump ahead to near the end of the chapter, verse 41. It says in verse 41, All the cities of the Levites within the possession of the children of Israel were 48 cities with their common lands. Every one of these cities had its common land surrounding it. Thus were all these cities. And so the Levites got a particular city, and then they got some of the pasture land around the city to raise livestock, and so they were taken care of. And notice the way the chapter ends then, verse 43. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. I love the way this chapter ends because it reminds us of three things. Number one, God keeps covenant. Everything that God says, he does. He is faithful and true to his word. And when he makes promises... He is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. So number one, God keeps covenant. Number two, God gives rest. I love the way it says that there in the middle in verse 44. The Lord gave them rest all around. The ultimate rest that we find, the peace that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and minds is in Christ Jesus. There is a rest, there is a peace, there is a contentment that only comes from the Lord. This world does not offer it. This world offers the opposite. Anxiety, fear, worry, but God offers us his rest, and only in him can we find that. So God keeps covenant. Number two, God gives rest. And number three, God gives victory, because it talks here about how now the wars are over. And God gives victory to them. Uh, It says there in verse uh, 44, the end of verse 44, Not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. And it is a good reminder because, you know, we fight a battle often that is not of flesh and blood, but of spiritual forces of evil in the heavenlies. That's Ephesians 6. And so we have to constantly be looking to the Lord to fight for us and to defend us against the enemy of our souls. And he's faithful to do that. He's faithful to do that. So God keeps covenant, God gives rest, and God gives victory. Now into chapter 22. I think we'll actually make it through this. Here's chapter 22, the background to what we're about to read. The Israelites have been waging war in combat to take the land that God had promised them, away from these pagans that have taken the land that God promised on oath to the Israelites. They have been fighting for seven years. You have to imagine how weary they are, uh, the toll that war takes, not just in terms of a physical toll, but an emotional toll, a spiritual toll. And here in chapter 22, after seven years of fighting, 
the land has been subdued. They didn't effectively drive out everybody. They unfortunately allowed some people to live still within their territories, which they should not because it'll come back to haunt them. But by and large, the land has been subdued. The land has been divided by tribal allotment. They are now settling in their territories. And Joshua basically lines up the army here. He gathers the troops together, and he's basically going to give them all an honorable discharge. He's going to basically say to them, your duty is done. You can now go home to your families. You can go to your territories. You can begin to pitch your tents and live out your lives and raise your families. And so that's what chapter 22 uh, is about. And it says in verse 1, Then Joshua called the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Remember, these are the two and a half tribes that had territory on the uh, eastern side of the Jordan River in what today would be uh, Jordan. And he said to them in verse 2, You have kept all that Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, and have obeyed my voice in all that I commanded you. You have not left your brethren these many days up to this day, but have kept the charge of the commandment of the Lord your God. And now the Lord your God has given rest to your brethren, as he promised them. Now therefore return and go to your tents and to the land of your possession, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan, on the eastern side. But notice this. This is good advice for all of us. But take careful heed to do the commandment of the law, the commandment of the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And so Joshua blessed them and sent them away, and they went to their tents. Now, a little background, if you remember. You have, out of the 12 tribes of Israel, you have two and a half tribes that are on the eastern side of the Jordan River. You have the other nine and a half tribes on the western side. Moses had allowed the two and a half tribes, uh, Gad and Reuben and the half tribe of Manasseh, to stay on the eastern side of the Jordan River. If that's the territory you want, fine. But here's what he said to them. But you have to help your brethren fight on the western side of the Jordan River. You can't get all comfortable on the eastern side and just hang out there because your brothers who are trying to take the territory on the western side of the Jordan River need your help. You have to fight with your brothers. So for seven years... Those who were given territory on the eastern side of the Jordan came over to the western side and helped their brothers fight until they had subdued the whole land. Now Joshua says, okay, the fighting is over. You two and a half tribes, you've been faithful. You've come over here on the other side of the Jordan to help us fight to subdue the land. You can now go back. Go back home. And with that parting instruction, he gives them six imperatives that I just read there. Do the commandments. Love the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways, keep his commandments, hold fast to him, and serve him with all your heart, with all your soul. Now you can go. And they leave. It says, now the half-tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given a possession in Bashan, but to the other half of it, Joshua gave a possession among their brethren on this side of the Jordan westward. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them, and he spoke to them, saying, return with much riches to your tents. And very much livestock with silver and gold, with bronze and with iron and with very much clothing. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. 
And so the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, which they had obtained according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Okay, so they say goodbye. Now something happens here, and I want you to pay particular attention to what's about to happen. Because as they depart, they do something, and it's going to get misinterpreted by their brethren, okay, by their fellow Israelites. And their fellow Israelites, because they misinterpret something, are ready to kill their brothers. It's very interesting what happens here. And pay particular attention, why? Because I want you to notice what typically happens among Christians today. When they stopped fighting a common enemy, they turned on each other. This is what we're going to read here. There's a huge misunderstanding, but they end up about to turn on each other and about to slaughter each other because they'd stopped fighting a common enemy. When we lose sight of who the real enemy is, Satan himself, who's trying to wage war against us, trying to deceive the world. You know, it's not like when we think about church, we go, okay, you know, we gather together. We want to celebrate Jesus. We want to read the Bible. We want to, you know, love one another. It's not like we're the good guys and the world is the bad guys. Okay. We're all bad guys. We all are in need of a savior. Okay. But if we start to think that the world is the enemy, the world's not the enemy. The world is the harvest field. The world is where we're supposed to be helping people to come to the same saving knowledge that we have of Jesus. The real enemy is the one who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. It's Satan himself. And yes, does he turn hearts and manipulate and deceive and lie and all of that? Yeah, sure. So what we see happening in our world with all this cultural garbage and all this stuff that is happening in our world like we've never seen before, we can't get angry at people because our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against Satan who's trying to twist things and distort truth and help people to try to believe lies and convince them and persuade them about things that aren't even true. That's our common enemy. And once the church loses sight of what the real battle is, what we tend to do is then we start to turn on each other. So here's what happens. Verse 10. And when they came, this is the two and a half tribes, when they came to the region of the Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a great, impressive altar. Now the children of Israel heard someone say. Can you underline that, please, in your Bibles? You want to know what that's called? That's called hearsay. That's called hearsay. When they heard someone say... Behold, the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh have built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan in the region of the Jordan on the children of Israel's side. And when the children of Israel heard of it, the whole congregation of the children of Israel gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. Wait, what? what? Whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. What's happening? Okay. Someone. You know who that someone is? Doesn't that someone bug you? It's like, who's that someone who's always like spreading rumors and saying things that aren't true? You hear half of the truth and then you start going around talking about it. That's hearsay. That's hearsay. That's where we get the word from. It's hearsay. Someone heard. 
Those stinking two and a half tribes, they built an impressive altar. You know what that means? You know what that means? They're worshiping. They're worshiping other gods. They're not worshiping our God. They've built some stinking altar and they've, they've resorted to paganism. They're worshiping some other God now. Isn't this terrible? Yeah, that's terrible. And they start sharpening their swords. Like we ought to go kill them all. Yeah, let's kill them all. They've abandoned the true God. What are they doing? Well, it's because somebody heard. Nobody checked it out. And here's what we're going to find, okay? What we're going to find is this. Those two and a half tribes, before they crossed the Jordan River, they got together and they said, you know what? We need to build an altar as a memorial so that we will never forget the true and living God. We must build this so that we will always be able to remember and our brethren that we're leaving will always remember this altar also as a reminder that we're on the other side of the Jordan River, but we still worship the same God. So it was intended to be a memorial, a reminder, that's all. Not a pagan place of worship, nothing more, nothing less than a reminder. But if you don't know all that, you're going to sharpen your swords and want to kill them. That's what happens with hearsay. Now, this is an important moment to just kind of a teaching moment for all of us, right? Hearsay. Write this down, okay? Assumption leads to accusation. You assume something, you start to accuse. And so the rest of the chapter is in that vein. Now, we'll save most of it for next time. But assumption leads to accusation. We think you've done this. And this is now what we're accusing you of. But the remedy is... And this is an important thing to also write down. Communication leads to clarification. If the nine and a half tribes had asked of the two and a half tribes, hey, question for you. We see this really impressive altar here. We're not really sure what this is about. What's this about? It would have ended it. It would have ended it. Communication leads to clarification. It would give them the opportunity to say, oh, Oh, well, we built that because we want to always have a reminder here that we serve the same true and living God. That even though the river divides you and from us, there's no division in terms of the same God that we serve. That's what the altar's all about. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you for explaining that. Congratulations. And it would have been a great day. Instead, it's like, we got to kill somebody. You know how many people want to kill somebody because you don't know all the facts? That's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing to make all these assumptions. It just leads to accusation. How about having a conversation? How about communicate? How about ask some questions? Can I ask, what did you mean by that? Or can I ask, you know, I noticed this. I don't want to misinterpret it. Can you explain this? And give people an opportunity to actually clarify something. It'll go a long way to preventing bloodshed, right? So this is important for us. This is a common problem that happens among people. You listen to hearsay. You don't know all the facts. You jump to conclusions. You start making accusations. That's not the way Christians should behave. You need to give the benefit of the doubt to somebody. Love believes all things. You trust and you verify, right? You say, I got a few questions. You explore it. You communicate. You have some conversation. And you allow a chance for clarification. It's important in relationships. It's important in friendships. It's important in work environments. This is an important principle. Hearsay has destroyed a lot of people. Don't give ear to hearsay. 
You confirm things, communicate, find out, get some clarification. They didn't. It almost led to bloodshed. But fortunately, it didn't because the two and a half tribes were able to clarify, here's what we were doing. So we'll pick up the story and see the full context later. But let's just take home that lesson. Amen. Don't give place to hearsay. Somebody said, somebody said, somebody. Don't give place to hearsay. You communicate, allow a chance for clarification because assumption only leads to accusation. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the eventful book of Joshua. After years of wandering in the wilderness, the Israelite people would finally get to enter into the Promised Land. What would it be like? What would their future hold? There were so many unknowns that they were entering into, yet God had promised He would bless them. Entering a new season of anything can be a bit daunting and even scary, but there's a reason that God continually reminded Joshua in this book to be strong and courageous. God would be with them, and He's with you too, as you face new challenges and situations. Do you like the message you heard today? Want to listen to more just like it? At cornerstoneconnection.cc, you can listen to additional teachings from this series in Joshua. If you'd like to get in touch with us and ask for prayer about things you're wrestling through or even struggling to be strong and courageous in, feel free to email us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. We'd love to pray for you. With that, our time is about up for today, but we look forward to sharing more from the book of Joshua. So come back for more with Pastor Gary here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.